Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Now that the retail world is starting to reopen, your friends at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin where cars cost less, are hard at work. The entire inventory has been repriced to make it easier for you to get into your new Ford. Get up to 18000 off remaining 2019 F-350s. Plus, Mustangs, Escapes, Explorers, and even Rangers are on sale. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. Uh... Val from the high desert of Northeast Colorado says, Bob, don't expect much in the way of compliance, i.e. social distancing for NCAA football or NFL football. The growing trend is simply to blow off all health department orders, both state and national. So this idea of half-full stadiums may only happen in the smallest markets, if at all. Hockey may be a different story, but for now... It appears there will be non-compliance until the second spike merges with the second wave, uh, which could be very uh, chaotic to say the least. All right. And he, uh, Val also mentioned uh, Bob Texas A&M is in the SEC. Uh, yes, they are in the SEC. I remember when uh, Johnny Manziel went into uh, Bama and knocked him off in a big upset special. Brendan, you wanted to just chime in quickly. Somebody, uh, we had multiple texts on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. You know, hey, uh, what's the difference between going to a protest with 15,000 people at it and going into Roger's place? And uh, why is it acceptable? Uh, and some would say, you know, uh, there may have been some government officials that were steering people in the direction of protesting. Um, that's another conversation for another time. But why is it acceptable to go protest outside and not have to follow, uh, you know, sort of government course of actions dealing with social distancing and contrast that with, uh, you know, going to a game? And that's it's a theoretical discussion. But you wanted to chime in on something. I did because I went to the protest and I can tell you that I assumed 100 percent of the accountability and responsibility associated with being in a crowd of 15,000 people during a pandemic. I can't turn around and sue anybody if I get COVID-19 for volunteering myself. If you get let into a private building, then the liability then, in my opinion, falls on somebody else, or at least could. So as simply as I can put it, I took it upon myself to put myself at risk. Now I'm going to live with the consequences of that if there are any. Now, you know, anyhow, look, I think it's great people (laughs) protested, but there's another... I mean, if there's a spike as a result of this, there's some people out there that might have a little bit different perspective. You know that. 100%. And again, that was part of the assumed risk. Yeah. And uh, all right. Let's uh, bring aboard Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Hello, Reed. How are you doing? Okay. First of all, Trevor wrote in a really good text before he went to break. And I, I couldn't find the, the tweet, but I think a few people put it out over the weekend. And I, look, I'm not making light of everything, but I do think sometimes we have to laugh. And the sentiment was, well, perhaps the Canadian Football League should label their games as protests. And then they could have fifteen to 20,000 fans go to the games and have a season. Uh, that's obviously not going to happen. Look, 
I, I, I'm, I am concerned, and I know Bob, uh, you, you give the numbers every day. You're very, uh, you're very thorough in everything you talk about, and I, and I think it's been very well received by your audience. I, I do think there's going to be an increase in the number of COVID cases in Edmonton and Northern Alberta. I, I think we've been very lucky, but we've seen since the reopening already some days where there have been more cases. Yep. And, and, and I think, and I, I have no objection to the protest. I have no uh, objection to peaceful assembly and, and people expressing themselves, but it does worry me a protest of any sort when there is this virus out there I mean, it's going to spread to at least some extent. I think that's just common sense. I don't think that's a commentary on anything or, or pessimism. Uh, I think that's it's common sense. Is it, is it going to get really bad in Edmonton? Is it you know is there going to be something that's going to be labeled an outbreak? I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I do think probably for the rest of this month, we're probably going to be possibly talking about higher numbers in Edmonton than we were in the last couple of weeks of May. I, ju- I just think that's I- inevitable as, as more people start to, to mingle and gathering. And I think some of the social distancing precautions um, people aren't maybe adhering to as much as they were earlier. Ray, just to put things in perspective, between May f- uh, 16th to May 29th, so 14 days, we had 14 positive tests for COVID. We had 20 positive tests for COVID on Saturday. Right. And I know because we had this discussion privately, I said to you, it ain't going to get better than it is right now. Like, we're not going to continue to have days of zero and one and zero, 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 minus one, minus, oh, they re, uh, they moved it to a different health zone. Like, you know, it's a 1.2 million person health zone. And I don't want to speak for the government, but the last time I heard Dina Hinshaw talk. She mentioned there were a couple family outings that resulted in a spike in Edmonton, and Edmonton actually had more uh, positive COVID cases than Calgary. Um, as of Thursday, the district that I live in, the health district, is at two positive cases in Twin Brooks. It's got 73,000 people living in that health district. But I am concerned, too, we are going to see a spike as well. And it was inevitable, frankly, Reed. Inevitable. Yeah, well... Sorry, Bob, and I just was going to say, you know, there's there's one name in this that that, that I kind of will Google every every few days, and that is Dr. Michael Osterholm, who's with the University of Minnesota, and he has been speaking about this. I, I, I'm pretty sure you can find interviews with him even going back to February about what he was coming. The timing was was unbelievable. He was on with Joe Rogan on March 10th warning about what could happen and then when did we really shut down in alberta like march 12th and 13th right yep. and, and and he continues to do interviews and, I, and i'm not saying this to be alarmist bob but i think we have to be realistic this is not going away in the short term we are still closer to the beginning than there being a vaccine or herd immunity or or anything like that and, and you know i heard jason kenny uh on your show uh, when was that? Was that a little two over a week ago? Two, 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 two weeks ago. on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm hearing his his message, and, and it seems to me he's starting to say, you know, we understand that it's older people dying, and, and we're going to live with that. That's what I'm hearing him say. And he also said something very misleading that is actually, it's actually not just misleading, it's false, when he called the coronavirus an, an influenza. They are, they're actually not the same. I mean, you read anything, including by this Dr. Olserholm, read anything about how, how uh, this is actually labeled, how it's you know, medically and scientifically categorized, 
it is not an influenza virus. That's a different thing. I mean, it's like saying a tank is a car because they both can transport you from one place to the other. So that's the, the messaging we're getting from the government. And again, I'm not making a political statement. I'm just reading, I'm just reading the, 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 the words and reading into what our political leaders are telling us. So if we're going to open up, we're going to have more cases. And, and perhaps that means more fatalities, especially in the older age group. What does this mean for hockey? And I know that's what you want to talk about, Bob. I still think the NHL is going to have a season. I still think they're going to find a way to do it. I don't think that they can have fans. And they and they they can't have fans for probably a long time. I mean, there was a there was a poll put out today by the New York Times. Was it today or yesterday? Anyway, it was in the last couple of days. Uh, Five hundred and eleven epidemiologists were polled, and over sixty percent of them said they would not be comfortable going to a sporting event within the next year. Yeah. 64% said they would not attend a sporting event, a concert, or a play until over a year from now. So that's the attitude towards mass gatherings with people who actually study these viruses for a living. Well, they tend to be very safe, conscious individuals as well. I mean, Reed, I would say this. First of all, people are allowed to have their own opinion. They're allowed to uh, come up with their own opinions. They're allowed to critically think. They're allowed to critically feel. Um and regarding, I mean, it, it's interesting. We don't want to go political. I mean, Dr. Henry out in Vancouver is receiving kudos. Uh, John Shannon retweeting that piece out from New York Times. It's conveniently not mentioned a lot how little BC's actually tested. That it, they're at less than half the testing rate of the province of Alberta per capita. Which, you know, when Alberta's got 260,000 tests done and BC's at 140,000 tests and BC has 5 million people and Alberta play, has 4.3, I would tell you right now that if BC had a conservative government, the younger generation on Twitter would be all over them for not testing as much as Alberta. Because, but because it's, you know, they, they tend to, they, there's, I just believe that to be the case. You know, and for the the overt criticism, much of it warranted, that the conservatives have had, the UCP have had here in handling situations, uh, you know, like confronting your neighbors when you're, uh, you know, in a portfolio post, uh, warranted criticism. It, it it does surprise me a little bit that uh, it, uh, there hasn't been a more positive interpretation of the work that Hinshaw and the province and Hinshaw's received pretty pretty positive feedback but it hasn't uh, resonated as much with Kenny and I think part of it might just be the delivery message you know like and, and look and look Bob I should say I like I, I don't think you were directing this at what I said but I I, I am not in any means disputing other opinions that people have that are informed and that have put critical thinking into it. I mean, not, not at all. I'm just telling you how I interpret what has been said and how I'm interpreting some things that have been said by, by virus experts. That that's, yeah. that's all, that's all I'm going with there. By the way, just uh, getting a, a text in from the Chisler here out of uh, Vegas. He says, Bob, as of today in Las Vegas, 860 positive tests in the last seven days. Um, so they're starting to grow. They've opened things up. Cases go up. Not good. Very real out there. Uh, and, of course, uh, protests were also tied. Um but they, you know, because they've just gone for it in Vegas. And we both, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Reed, but Vegas to me is in the driver's seat. 
yeah. for the NHL. Uh, obviously, they've got several resorts open, but they've got other resorts that are not open. They could easily give uh, 12 teams a resort that will allow those teams to have their significant others or their families there as well in a quarantine area. And the state of Nevada deals from a stacked deck because they've got a stupidity tax on people. And I, <laughs> and I too, have contributed to that stupidity tax over the years. So, so uh, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to to watch what happens here moving forward. Reed Wilkins joining us from Inside Sports. Uh, anyhow, let's uh, let's get it back on the Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I wanted to. It's it's remarkable. Do you feel are some players that uh, you know what like Ethan Bear is a guy that the fans love. The fans love Ethan Bear. It's a great story. Uh, great story. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is. And we used to have Chris and Victoria. Remember, he used to text us, and his his thing was Nuge isn't a first line center. Well, you know what? The numbers over time have shown he's not a first line center at even strength. But give me your thoughts on a Nugent Hopkins extension. Well, I think that he wants to be here. I think the fans want him here. I would assume the coaches and the managers would want him to be here longer. I mean, Bob, as you know, he was on with me on Friday. I mean, I'm not going to directly bring up an extension when it's still, I mean, this season isn't even done, right? And then he's not a UFA till after next year. But but I did ask him about his experience with Edmonton, how he's become, quite frankly, revered, I think, with a lot of the fan base. And you know, he said he, he he played in Red Deer, his wife's from Red Deer. It's, it's like home to him. Sure, he goes back to the West Coast a lot of time in the offseason, but not too far away. And I, and I think with Nugent Hopkins, Bob, Everything he's been asked to do, he has pretty much been able to do. I, I, I mean, jump in as a rookie on a really bad team and contribute. Well, what did he have? 52 points in 62 games before he got hurt? Uh, you know, and then, okay, you got to be a bit, a little bit more of a, uh, you got to learn how to check a little bit better. He, he, he's able to do that. Okay, now get going back on the uh, on the offensive side of the game. He's been able to do that, especially with dry settling Yamamoto. I, I mean, I guess, I suppose you could say that his face-offs has not improved to the level that you wanted, but leadership, uh, leadership in the community. I heard you talking last week, Bob, about players who will, who will do events and will will meet fans and will be a positive face in the community and not want the attention, not not expect it to be publicized if they do a visit or or interact with fans. I think Nugent Hopkins fits that bill. I think he's just become, you know, Dry Settle and McDavid are, are immensely popular because of their production. They drive the team offensively. They get the headlines. I think Nugent Hopkins, through his personality, through his character, and through the fact that he had to ride through this miserable era of, of the team being, you know, bottom three in the league for much of his tenure, and now there looks to be a turnaround, and, and he's one of the guys who's getting to enjoy that. I think that's something fans really appreciated. I, I think if he left, that would be... I'm not going to say it would be as like Gretzky leaving, but I think it would be as as devastating as as seeing some of the other big names that that have left over the years. But I mean, I, I think that I, I think he is going to stay. I just think it, it it works out too well for everybody. Yeah, he's uh, represented by Rick Vallette from Octagon. All right, so I mean, and we're talking 21 in terms of uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as UFA. Yes, an, an RFA right now for Ethan Bear, and he does not have arbitration rights. Uh, which means that uh, there's a pretty simple equation in a scenario where you have to use the system to your advantage if you're Ken Holland. 
Well, I think so because, I mean, it looked sort of they could probably sign him for a couple of years, say. And one. then one year. Sorry, for one year. Well, they so, can do a one or two year deal. They can do okay. that. I mean, they. I mean, they read. They can do a longer term deal. But I would say, at this time, you kind of have to use the system to your advantage. It's right. kind of how the system works, which isn't necessarily the fairest thing because he's clearly a well liked player and an important player for the Edmonton Oilers. Like he's going to be at least a four million dollar defenseman on a long term deal. I think that's a given. I'm just not convinced that's going to happen this year. No, and I and I think okay. So let's say uh, you think it would only be a year because what if you get it? You could get some sort of a bridge done for two, and then okay, you see where he goes. Some other contracts are going to be moved along, retired, traded by then, and then then you really probably get an idea what what, what is he? I mean, I, I see him as on the power play, but you're going to have Evan Bouchard pushing for that spot as well to be the right shot, right shot guy. So that's a good little bit of competition. I think for Bear is how how good of a pure defender is he going to be in terms of being able to stop the cycle, be physical enough in front of the net, win battles down low. Clearly he's good with the puck. He, he's right up there as one of the best Oilers defensemen in terms of being clever with the puck deep in his own end, making a quick little breakout pass to get the breakout started. He was already very good at that. And just the consistency through a longer season. Like I, I would still classify this season as a success for Ethan Bear. Of course, there were some dips along the way where maybe you're not quite used to the grind, a little bit of fatigue sets in. So how how is he going to handle all that over the next couple of years? And And I do think... Uh, the Bouchard factor is is going to figure into that because I think there could be some internal competition. Who grabs that, does a better job grabbing that over the next couple of years. I mean, clearly Bouchard projects higher because of where they were drafted, uh, but Bear has a little bit of a head start of actually playing in the league. All right, great stuff, Reed. Uh, what do you got coming tonight on Inside Sports? It's going to be fun tonight. Ron Lowe is going to check in tonight. Bob, it'll be good to talk to the former Oilers goaltender and head coach. And, of course, we'll cover the Canada West U Sports story. Golden Bears head coach, football head coach Chris Morris will give us his thoughts on losing his season. All right. Thanks a lot, Reed. When we come back in Oilers now, we'll get to this day in Oilers history, and we'll read a text from Brew Crew. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 154 in Edmonton, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. To this day in Oilers history, here's Brendan Escott. Back in 1983, at the NHL draft, the Oilers take Jeff Bukaboom 19th overall out of the Sioux Greyhounds program, and Esatikin in 80th overall out of Finland. Bukaboom playing parts of six seasons in Edmonton between 86 and 91 before he was flipped to the New York Rangers. Tikkanen joined him on the Rangers in a trade three years later. Brew Crew, Texas, and our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, the hope is the Oilers go 100% next season after they finish 2019-20. Outdoor with wind and weather is more likely to not get someone sick versus the indoor. That said, I bet the issue will be enter at your own risk to Rogers. The new normal will be what is an acceptable risk. Zero is unlikely, and so we'll need to live with risk. We are likely a year away from a vaccine, says Brew Crew. Do we pause the whole economy for a year? 
Canada can't afford that. Like we do uh, with the flu or measles or cancer, uh, we accept some risk from Brew Crew. Well, uh, we'll wait and see uh, what happens on that front. Dr. Dina Hinshaw again today uh, at 3 o'clock on the 6.30, Chad, uh, afternoons uh, with Jalen and I. will have ongoing coverage as well on the George Floyd uh, protests. A lot of talk about defunding the police in the wake of George Floyd's death. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you'd be getting rid of police officers altogether. Uh, again, Jalen's got a guest, Dr. Christian Lou Precht who feels the future of the policing uh, could look like at 2.15. And again, Dr. Dina Hinshaw today at 3 o'clock instead of at 3.30. Reed Wilkins tonight, Inside Sports 7 to 8 after the Global News Hour. Tomorrow's guest, James Neal, Mark Spector, and Drew Remenda. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.